Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Wow, first time I've been cold in here for a while. It's uh, good, good to be cold outside, isn't it? Feels great. Hey, my name is uh, Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of Rocky Peak. And if you are here for the very first time, we want to welcome you. Hope you have a great time with us and just feel right at home uh, as we, uh, we kind of go into our time of teaching today. But before we, we do that, uh, I just want to give you an update on a couple things. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, we're in the midst of a, a, a long journey here. It's been a couple months journey that we've called the assignment. And I'll be talking about that more later on in the series that we're in. But as part of that, a couple weeks ago, uh, we, we uh, made some commitments to uh, uh, part of the assignment. We feel like God's putting our heart is to enlarge and refresh our campus in order for the people to uh, have seats for the people that God is bringing and um, so I want to give you an update. I mentioned last week that uh, when you do a project like this, often it's the case that the next three or four weeks, uh, you're going to have people that have been on vacation, uh, that just have been out of the loop or still praying about what their commitment is. In fact, I talked to one guy last night. He said, now, I heard there's something going on with the building. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, there is. And uh, uh, anyway, so... Um, uh, I shared with you last weekend that we had another, uh, like a, a, a really about a quarter million dollars last weekend uh, pledged, uh, kind of a new new commitment. Uh, this last week we had another hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars came in committed uh, to that, and so uh, that's continuing on. And so if you're one of those people that you've been uh, still praying about this, or you're uh, on vacation, or you've been uh, gone a long time. Uh, out at the point, uh, out in the lobby, there's all the materials you need there that kind of explain the, the kind of the, what we're doing, uh, commitment cards. If you feel uh, called to join us in that, we'd love to still uh, have you. Uh, also, just want to call your attention that inside your program today are the new, uh, uh, new offering envelopes. And so you'll, you'll notice on there that there's a, there's a spot for your normal uh, offering. There's a spot there for the assignment. And so some people have asked, now, how do, we, how do we do that? Can we just write one check? And yes, you can. Uh, or you can do online. You can do it like if you give online, there's a place to designate online as well. And so that just to make it easy. But um, we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And so if you are new, uh, every week this is something we do. And in Inside your program is a, a message note sheet that we use uh, for this time, so you'll definitely want to pull that out, and then we're going to jump in, uh, assuming you are all ready to go. You guys all set? Let's okay, let's pray. God, we're just excited about what you're doing in our lives and our church, and most of all, who you are, and this incredible gospel, this, this kind of euangelion, this, this message uh, of, of salvation, that you've come as our true king to rescue all of creation. We have to be a part of that uh, through your life, death, and resurrection, and get to live in this new kingdom reality even here and now through the power of your spirit. And so, God, as we continue that journey today, we pray that you would come uh, with power. I pray with the, the right words that I would speak in the way that I, I should. that be clear. It could be compelling. I pray that for us as a church that we would gather around your word, really open to whatever you would say. We'd be truly encouraged and empowered to carry this message of Christ to those who don't know you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, for those of you who are, are new, we are, we are in the midst of a series. In fact, we're, it's beginning to wind down. This is, I think, uh, week, week eight uh, or nine, I think it's week nine, uh, of a series that we've been in called The Assignment, Unleashing uh, the Movement. And, and really, this assignment that we're talking about has had three different parts, three different phases of this series. Uh, fa- phase one, part one, uh, we talked about this assignment that Jesus gives us when we become a follower uh, he says in Matthew 28, last words he said is, I want you to go into all the world and to share this message of my movement with those who, who've not heard and then invite them to come part of the movement to follow me and, and then teach them how to follow. And so that, that's kind of the first few weeks we focused on that. 
Then the second, uh, second phase, we talked about the specific assignment that we feel like God's calling us as a church to enlarge, refresh our campus, and we've just talked about that. And then uh, last week, we worked and in, moved into the third and final phase, which started last week, I'll end next week, uh, which is on how to have significant spiritual conversations with people who, who've not yet come to Christ. So let me ask you a question. How many of you here have someone in your life you would love to see come to Christ? Can I see your hands? Okay, awesome. How many of you have ever tried to, ha- you've ever had an awkward spiritual conversation with someone? Right, yeah, so we've all been there. I'm a master at this. Uh, and so uh, uh, early on in, in my Christian experience, you know, I had a lot of training on it. Here's, here's how to have these kind of conversations, here's how to share Christ. It was a very bad experience. Uh, uh, I had years and years of bad experience of that. And so uh, I'll refer to that. I've talked to that before in the past, but I'll refer to that some as we go along today. But I think that my experience is really very uh, uh, relevant for a lot of you who've had the same kind of experience. Like this is how, when you have these kind of significant spiritual conversations, this is how it should go. And likely you've tried that and likely it hasn't worked for you either. And so what happens is we end up saying nothing because we, we don't know how to do this. And so I, I don't really think it's that hard. Uh, what we need is just kind of remove some obstacles, uh, get them out of our way so we can just have significant spiritual conversations. So that, that, that's the topic on the table. And I'm calling this message, Making the Most of Every Opportunity, which really flows out of something the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 4. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you got your iPads, you got your phones, whatever, uh, turn to Colossians 4. Uh, we're going to start there today. And then we're going to pull out uh, four or five uh, key principles for our lives about, about sharing Christ. And so Colossians chapter 4, and we'll start at uh, verse 2. Now as you're turning there, let me set it up. Uh, this letter of, to uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians was written uh, about 30 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It was written by a man we call the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's writing from prison. He's in prison. He's uh, most likely in Rome. Uh, so he's writing to some Christ followers that he's never met. He's kind of ending up this, this letter, and he's got some final instructions on, here's how to follow Jesus in your life. And so in verse 2, he says, uh, devote yourselves to what? Okay, devote yourselves to prayer. As, as followers of Jesus, uh, prayer needs to be a high priority. Prayer is where we partner with God and what we're doing together. So he says, uh, devote yourselves to prayer, uh, being watchful, kind of be on the alert, like what's God doing, what's the enemy doing, uh, and we should be thankful for all he's done. And he says, he says and now when you pray, uh, here's one thing I'd like you to pray for. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. Okay, so Paul is in prison, right? He's, he says, later on, he's going to say he's in chains. Uh, there, there are other prisoners there. There are guards there. Uh, he's going to go before the uh, Roman authorities there. Uh, and so he says, uh, pray that God would open a door. In other words, that God would give us opportunities to speak for him. So pray for that specifically. And so as we've learned in this, uh, uh, this study we've been doing uh, in, in our life groups, uh, that one of the ways that we promote the gospel is through prayer. We, we come along, we, we pray specifically uh, for those people who are on the front lines actually sharing the gospel all the time. We pray for them. And Paul says, okay, so pray for me uh, so, that, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. He says, and pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So catch this. Paul says, pray for two things. Pray, first of all, that I, there's an open door, that there are opportunities to speak for Christ 
Number two, pray that when God opens a door, that I will speak effectively, uh, clearly, compellingly, sharing the message of Jesus in a way that truly makes a difference, okay? And now he's talked about his life. He says, now, here, now here's what I want you to do in your life in terms of dealing with non-believers. He says, I want you to be what? Wise. You want to underline, be wise. We'll come back to that. In the way that you act toward outsiders, uh, non-believers. Um, he, he says that, uh, uh, pray for me in my life that I'll be effective when I'm dealing with non-believers. He says, but in your own life, uh, I want you to be wise in the way you relate to non-believers. And he says, uh, uh, and, and make the most of what? So we're going to make the most. And so he says, God's going to give you opportunities, uh, just like he's going to open doors for me. He's going to open doors for you. So when those opportunities come, you want to make the most of them. And that's where the title for this message came from. And so then in verse 6, he says, and here's how to do it. Uh, let your conversation, in other words, when, when you have open doors, uh, you're going to have conversations with people. Let your conversation always be full of what? Grace. So notice what it says. It doesn't say judgment, right? It doesn't say uh, uh, let it be uh, harsh, right? It doesn't say uh, let it be awkward. Uh, let your you know, conversation be full of awkwardness. Uh, he doesn't say, uh, uh, does, doesn't say uh, be uh, uh, full of condemnation or full of arguments. He says full of what? Grace. Grace. Okay, so remember Jesus when he came, and we've seen this in the series, that in John 1.14 it says that we saw him and he came full of grace and truth. Okay, so Jesus brought the truth, but he brought full of grace. And he says it needs to be seasoned with salt. And so we get this, you're at the barbecue, uh, you season your meat. Why? Because it brings out the flavor. He says, so when you're having conversation, make it taste good. Uh, make, make it tasty. Make them, uh, leave them coming, wanting more. And he says, season with salt so that you may know how to what? To answer everyone. So catch this, he's assuming that if you're living for Christ, if you're pursuing Jesus in your life, if you're excited about what, what's, what's going on, you're growing and so on, he, he assumes that people are going to see that. They're going to ask questions. So when they ask questions, be ready to answer their questions. Okay, so that's the passage. Now, from that, that brief passage, what I want to do is draw out four or five uh, key principles. And the reason I say four or five is you've got four. I might add a fifth later. We'll see how it goes. Um, so... Here we go. Uh, number one, there, there on your note sheet, there's a sharing Christ, uh, significant spiritual conversations. Uh, and so uh, what I want to do is just kind of run through some of these quicker than others. Uh, some will take as much explanation. But, uh, but let's just what he says. Number, number one, he says, first thing we need to do as followers of Jesus, uh, I, I'm assuming now you, you've got one life, right? You've got your one life out there. You have people in your life that you want to share Christ with in an effective way. You want to help them take the next step in their spiritual journey. So how do we do that? Number one, we watch for opportunities. Uh, Paul says, hey, in my life, I want you to pray for me. I'm in prison here. Would you pray God would open the door, right? So give me opportunities. He says that in your life, uh, I want you to be wise in the way that you're, you're dealing with that. He says, and make the most of opportunities, right? So what's he assuming? The Apostle Paul is assuming that you and I will have opportunities to share Christ. You see that? He's assuming that. And he says, so he says, so when they come, you need to make the most of them. You need to watch for them. So, so here's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But here's, here's my, uh, what I believe. I believe that when it comes to making the most of opportunities, that we tend to make one of two mistakes. 
okay? On the one side, we miss them all together when the opportunity comes. It's like, wow, there was an opportunity just drove by, you know, that we just missed it. The other one is we try to make more of the opportunity than is there. You follow? There's like two mistakes. And so what Paul says, no, no, you just want to make the most of what's there. And that starts with just watching for opportunities. Now, you may say, well, Mike, that seems kind of simple, doesn't seem that hard, but actually it takes some alertness, doesn't it? That, that's easy to miss. Um, we were talking in our life group this week, and one lady was sharing. She was talking about this significant conversation that she'd had with a, a woman who's very close to her, one of her, her relatives that she loves very much, that has always been very close to, to spiritual things. And this last week, she was able to have a significant spiritual conversation with this woman. And, and so uh, as she's, uh, she's, after she shares what happened, she said, you know, it's really interesting because she said, before this series that we're doing, I don't think I would have had that conversation. She said, I don't think I would have been uh, ready for that conversation. I don't think I would have been. And so catch this, the opportunity would have been there the same, but she would have missed it. You see, uh, uh, another life group, I was talking to someone in another life group a couple weeks ago. They were talking about how in their life group where, um, you know, a few weeks ago, we started talking about one lives. We started talking about, hey, is there someone in your life that is already in your sphere of influence that God is already working on to draw that person to Christ, that he wants to partner with you to help bring that person to Christ? And, 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 and is it possible that God wants you to begin praying for them on a regular basis and looking to build relationship? We call them one lives, right? And this person was sharing how revolutionary that concept was in their life group. That, that what they realized is, is these believers who are meeting, they said that what we realized is that uh, although we're followers of Jesus, we've become so isolated, we don't even have any close relationships with any non-believers in our life, let alone having a one life, you see? And it's easy to happen, isn't it? it it's easy for this to happen. We talked about it earlier in the series that we can become so isolated, uh, and sometimes it's just fl- uh, plain busy. We just get so busy that we don't have time for that person uh, next door. We don't have time for that conversation. We, we don't have time when we're uh, talking with that barista to establish anything. We don't have time for that coworker who's going through a hard time to go out to dinner. And so what happens is that often there are opportunities all around us. We just miss them. We're just, we're just not, we, and Paul says, don't miss the opportunities. Uh, uh, watch for them. There in your note sheet are a couple of quotes. So I want to look at the second one. This one's from uh, Bill Hybels in uh, as we come to the end of this series, I want to begin to resource you. As we become to the end of our life groups, uh, what are some other things that you can read? What are some other things? I'll be talking about a new essential later on. But a couple of books I want to highlight. One book is right here. It's, it's a book by Bill called uh, Just Walk Across the Room. It's an excellent book on sharing Christ. We actually use it as one of our curric- uh, books for our essential course on sharing Christ. But he talks about just becoming aware of people around us. And, and I love this. He says, try a little experiment with me this week. As you pull into the driveway, fight the temptation to look past your neighbor. Have you ever done that? Just kind of pretend you didn't see him. Uh, it's really hard for me because my neighbor across the street goes to Rocky Peak. But anyway, um, right, and they, they came to Christ here too. That was awesome. So uh, perhaps for the first time, uh, stop, uh, stop long enough to wonder why God chose to put the two of you on the same block to begin with. 
Isn't that good? Uh, when, you, when you drop off your dry cleaning, take four seconds to smile. Ask the name of the person standing or, uh, behind the counter. Uh, if he or she has served you well, say so. When you walk, when you're in the drugstore to pick up your prescription, take a good look at the clerk who's assisting you. What's their story? Uh, will you carve out two minutes to find out, or should you uh, uh, bump into your mail carrier during the day? Invest a few moments discovering if he or she has a spouse or kids. What do they like to do around town? So you, you follow this? It's just he's just having awareness. Just that that are we looking for opportunities to build awareness, and then and then when God gives us opportunity, are, are, are we taking that. Uh, but catch this, want to take it to the next level here. Paul says in his life, he asks for prayer. And he says, in my life, um, would you pray for me that God opens the door for me to speak? And, and here's what I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you not only to watch for opportunities, I want to challenge you to begin praying for opportunities to speak. Uh, we, we all have our one lives here. Uh, we're, we're coming in. So, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do to help people come to Christ is pray for them because the Holy Spirit is the one who draws. And, and then we need to pray for opportunities. I love what Andy Stanley says, the quote right above that, the last one. He says, our tendency is to pray for miracles, but in most situations, it's more appropriate to pray for opportunities. If you have a vision for unbelieving friends, don't simply pray that they'll be saved. Pray for an opportunity to speak to them about Christ, okay? And so, so if we're going to share Christ effectively, it starts with just watching for opportunities. Uh, building relationship, watching for opportunities. Number two. The, the second one, I love this one. Uh, Paul says, uh, think and be intentional. The se- second principle is to think and, and be intentional. Notice that that when it comes to sharing Christ, we need to use our heads, okay? Now, as, as much as like, well, isn't that obvious? It isn't. In fact, I think often in Christian circles, we've done exactly the opposite. That, that often we, we have this kind of mindset, well, you know, I just need to share the message. It's gonna be a miracle if someone comes to Christ anyway, so I can just be as lame as possible, and they'll still get <laughs> saved, Right? Like, th- this was sort of the, the model that, that I was raised with. And I, I said, I mentioned a couple times, but it's true that the, 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 the model that I was raised with, years trained with, all kinds of things, door to door, you know, just different things that I went through was sort of this model of what I would call confrontational evangelism. Now, let me say this, that if you have the gift of evangelism, which is probably about 10% of us in here, if you have the gift of evangelism, you may be good at this. This may work for you, and the way you can tell if you're good at it is it draws people to Christ, right? It's, it's, it's attractive. I know some people think they're good at this, and they're not. They just alienate people in Jesus' name, right? Now, this was my story. I wish I had more time to go into it. How many people I drove away from the kingdom being bold for Christ, right? And so the goal, if, if, if you have this gift, what happens is people actually come to Christ and people are actually drawn towards Jesus just like when he was here, right? But I think for, for most of them, the model that, that I was presented with, the model that many of us, is, is sort of this cold call type evangelism, you know? You're on a plane, you're on a bus, you're, you're talking with the, the shopper, I mean, the, the checkout client. So somehow you're going to try to steer the conversation to spiritual things and then kind of back up the truck and download the plan of salvation, and then they're going to fall in the aisle and say, what must I do to be saved, right? <laughs> and so you're going, whoa, it's awesome. And, and that's the model I think a lot of us have, have had. 
And what we don't realize is how unwise that is, right? Like, it's not wise at all. Like, like what person really in their right mind would meet a stranger and make the most important decision of their life in three minutes? Like, that's just not the, normally how life works. Now, does it happen? Absolutely. There are some low-hanging fruit we'll talk about later on. They are so ready to come to Jesus, you can even be whatever, and they'll come, right? But, but what I'm saying is in general, it doesn't really work that way. But that's been our mindset. This is what it means to share Christ. And so then we've pulled back from doing it because it's so awkward, right? And so awkward, it drives people away. And like I said, I'm a, a master. I'm the master of that. Okay, so... Uh, so so uh, let's talk for just a couple of minutes about how people really come to Christ. Can we just do that? Let's talk about it. Can I tell you this? That most people come to Christ as the result of a long process. Uh, and if you think through your own life, uh, this is probably true in your life. It's, it's true most, and now here's the thing. They're often not aware of it until they come to Christ. When you come to Christ, you can look back and you say, yeah, when I was 10 years old, there were these neighbors I was 15 years old, there's this person in high school, there was this friend. Or there was, uh, you know, 13 years ago, I, I was flipping around the TV and I saw Billy Graham and there was these little seeds that were planted and now when you come to Christ, you can look back and you can see, well, God was really preparing soil all along. And, and so uh, that usually most people uh, don't go from zero to 60 uh, overnight. And what this does is there's huge implications for us because what this means is when it comes to sharing Christ, our job is not necessarily to get them to move from zero to 10 in one conversation, but really just to help them take the next step in their spiritual journey. So let me explain it like this. Uh, let, let's imagine a scale here. The scale goes from zero to 10, all right? Now, a 10 is someone who is what I would call low-hanging fruit. They are ready to give their life to Christ. They just need someone to tell them how to do it. I mean, they are so hungry for Jesus. They just need it, right? And so the, the moment you they're, yes, they're ready to go. That's a 10. A zero is someone at the opposite. They hate Jesus. They hate Christians. They think religion is the bane of society and the result of all societal problems. So you think of people like Sam Harris or uh, 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 Christopher Hitchens, kind of the new atheist who just hate everything that religion, Christianity stands for. Are, are you with me in this case? Okay, so you got this. Now here's what I want you to catch. Every non-believer in your life is somewhere between zero and ten. Okay, everyone. They might be a four, they might be a seven, they might be a two. And, and your job is not necessarily to get them from two to ten in one conversation. That your, your job, you, here's the thing, they may hate Christians and think all Christians are total hypocrites. And your job is just to help them know one person in their life that's not true about. That's your job. Your, your job is just to get them from zero to 0 0.1. Because, because now they can't say that every Christian I've ever known is a blankety-blank hypocrite. They can't say that. They say, well, everyone but Joe, right? And so Joe has now cracked the door open for their next step. You see what I'm saying? That, that often this is our process. And once we learn this, uh, it, just take, it just creates such a freedom in our life to be ourselves and, and just to share whatever God gives us to say in that situation. Let me give you an example. Uh, this week in uh, my life group, uh, one of the ladies was sharing, a different lady, how, uh, how, how and in her life, uh, this last week, she ran into a man that she hadn't seen in a while. 
uh, they used to live in the same neighborhood. He was a, a wealthy man, had everything going for him. Uh, when his wife was just 42, just a couple few years ago, when his wife was 42, she got cancer and, and died very rapidly, okay? And so, so now the wife was a believer. He was not a believer. So, so she dies. Uh, his life uh, is just, you know, kind of, kind of racked. And so he, he jumps into a new relationship right away. It was a bad idea. He gets married to another woman last, uh, that marriage lasts uh, less than a year. Then, then some har- financial hardships go, go down, and he's, he's going to lose both his houses. Right? So she hasn't seen him in a long time. She runs into him, uh, actually voting this last week. She runs into him. He asks him, hey, how are things going? After a couple initial comments, he begins to unload, like, here's what's going on. And he says, I, I'm not sure if I even want to go on anymore. Now, she, he's got three, three sons. I'm not sure if I even want to go on with my life. I'm not sure if there's anything worth living for in my life. And so as she's there, right, there's a whole bunch of things she could say, right? Now, the way I was raised was that this is a moment you back up the truck. <laughs> and we're going to do a major Jesus dump on this guy, right? We are going to tell him, well, of course you don't have peace in your life. You don't have Christ. And you'll never have peace. And you've lived for all the wrong things. And let me tell you, do you know Jesus died for your sins? You do know you're a sinner, right? That's like obvious. Your life is super messed up. And, and, and so you, you've sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. And so you need to be, because the wages of sin is death. And, and so we're going to go through all these verses, right? And then he's probably going to, eyes get big, and he's going to run for his life. That's what's going to happen. This is my track record. Uh, and, and so that, okay, so she doesn't do that. Oh, she's just open to the Holy Spirit. And can I say this? When it comes to sharing Christ, it's all about being open to the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do we talk about here at Rocky Bay? We talk about listen and follow, listen and follow, right? Same when you're sharing Christ. What is God putting in your heart to say? Jesus said, when you stand before leaders and rulers, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Spirit of your Father will be there to speak through you. So what's God giving you to say? And here's what God gave her to say. She said to him, she just looked at him, she said, you know what? She said, you know, the the Bible says in Galatians, she said, you know, the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. Because in in due course, if we're faithful, that we'll reap a harvest. And she said, you know, I I know it's hard for you right now, but you have three sons who really need you. And and so I just want to encourage you not to get weary because God promises there'll be a harvest if you, if, you, if you hang on. Amen, yes. And you know what? His eyes well up with tears, and he gives her a big hug. He says, thank you for that. He says, you know, I, we're having an open house at my house in a couple of weeks. I would love to have you and your husband come. I just miss not seeing you. You see what's happened? It's like that was what he needed. That was a word from Jesus to him at that moment. It was the word of God to him. It spoke to his heart. She, she didn't have to share everything. You see what I'm saying? And can you see how this takes the pressure off? Because I'm telling you, in my life, early believer years, here's what I'm doing. As he's telling this story, I'm getting nervous. Because I know I've got to back the truck up and dump on this guy, <laughs> right? And I'm not, but I got to give the guy, this may be the only shot I get. Maybe, he may mean, never hear the gospel, anyone else, you know, like I'm, I'm God's only chance, you know, and so uh, it's either me or nothing. I don't want to drop it, like, oh my, his eternity's at stake, you know, so, so, so this is what happens, right, and so, and so then I would alienate the person, and all they learn is that Christians are so weird, 
That's the message they walk with. Christians are so weird, right? Because I'm not being wise. Be wise. Here's a person in great pain. Be wise. You see? All right. I love what uh, Heibel says uh, on this there in your uh, note sheet. He says, I I realize that some of you believe that unless the plan of salvation gets explained, it's been an unsuccessful conversation, spiritually speaking. I've had to learn the hard way, I'd say amen, that on some occasions the Spirit asks me to be an opener. He's going to use a a farming analogy. I have a hoe. I'm supposed to break up some really hard soil in someone's heart so the next person to come along might have some influence in planting a seed or two along the rows. And other occasions, the Spirit asked me to play the middle guy, carrying around a water can and helping quench a few thirsty souls. So other times, I'm supposed to pick some really ripe fruit off the vine. I might describe it this way, and he's going to use a scale analogy, but he uses a little different scale. But he says, uh, I, I believe many people begin their spiritual quest at a negative 10, and my role is to facilitate their movement to a negative 8. That's it. Two points on the spectrum, and as a result, they're still in negative territory. It used to discourage me, but at some point I began to accept the fact that the role I'm supposed to play is, well, the role I'm supposed to play, okay? And so we want to be wise. Now, next, number three, a a part of being wise, and this is huge, it's huge, a big part of being wise is to relax and to be yourself. Relax and be yourself. So uh, uh, often, uh, in in the way that that for many of us have been taught as sharing Christ, is that, that we, we need to present this canned presentation of the gospel. And, and what that does is it makes us very much not ourselves. It's, it's like, because think of it in our culture. We live in a very skeptical culture, don't we? And anyone who tries to sell you anything, uh, your, your, your you know, guard comes up. And so if you have a friend and they're, they're into life, and you know, they sell life insurance and you're working out together, and all of a sudden you feel a sales pitch coming on, like what do you do? It's like, whoa! Right, like, like, hold on, hold, you know, it's like, you know, uh, that, that's not what this is about. And so, so it's the same way with, when it comes to sharing our faith. Part of being wise in our culture is to be, to relax and to be ourselves. This may be different in other parts of the world or other cultures, but where we are right now, part of being wise is people want to know it's real, it's, it's organic, it's, it's part of your life, it's, it's who you are. Uh, they, they, they want to know that this just kind of flows out of who, so just be yourself. Now, this is important because, uh, be, because when we buy into this other mode that to share Christ means to produce this whole package deal, what tends to happen is exactly what I described earlier. Is we get very nervous. We, we get very, uh, get the sweaty palms. Like, here comes the moment. You know, it's time, time to do this, which again just alienates. One of the reasons uh, I, I love this book is uh, that we're, we're doing for our life group, the Dixon book on the best kept secret, uh, that the, uh, one of the reasons I like it is because uh, he just articulates this so well. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but way back in week two, uh, we, we read the intro to this book. And, and he talked about how when he came to Jesus, uh, how it was such a, a life-transforming experience, and, and how he was so excited to talk about his faith. But he said he was, he was such a new believer, he didn't know there was any way you're supposed to do it. So he, he just kind of would talk about Jesus like he talked about anything he was excited about, uh, like soccer or something like that. And, and he said, uh, then along the way, uh, he, he runs into some people at his church that say, you're so good at talking about Jesus, you need to take a course on this. You need to take an evangelism course, which totally ruined him for, for a while, 
right? So, so there in your note sheet, kind of a long quote, but I want, I want you to hear this in his own words because it's so powerful. He says, in those early years as a believer, I had no idea that Christians should be, could, could, uh, should be coy about their faith. No one had told me that I was meant to feel uh, awkward about spreading good news. Uh, that was something I learned only after mixing with Christians. Love that. Um, when I first became a Christian, promoting Christ was a perfectly natural orientation of my whole faith. It was similar to the way I felt about football, or what Australians and Americans call soccer. I love football. I played it almost every day. I watched every televised English Premier League match. I talked about it. I asked friends to come over to the local Oval for a kick around. I never dreamt that football lovers might be self-conscious about mentioning it or coy about inviting others to play. But after attending this evangelism course, this is exactly how I felt about my faith. Suddenly, mentioning God and inviting people to church had become a specialized compartment of the faith. It had its own name, evangelism, its own presuppositions and jargon, and even its own multi-week courses. Whereas once I talked about God as freely as I talked about my favorite TV show, now I found myself switching into, quote, evangelism mode. Where the heart beats faster, the palms get sweaty, and you feel the pressure to steer the conversation into a most unconversational manner. Nicely done. Thankfully, my own evangelistic self-consciousness soon passed. After months of trying to perform as I've been taught, I decided to relax. I forgot about getting it, getting it right, getting it in order, getting my conversation partner over the line. Instead, I decided to approach the gospel opportunities as if they were friendly conversations about my favorite topic. Man, underline that. That's what it's about. He says, it was not long before I realized that this is exactly what sharing the faith is. And next week, we're going to talk about this. Next week, we're going to talk about when the opportunity comes. Like, what, what do you say? And, and how do you just share appropriate things that aren't backing the whole truck up but are significant, lead to significant conversations? But I think he's absolutely right. And here's one thing I've noticed in my own life. Maybe you've noticed this, but I have to still fight this today because it was so ingrained as part of my uh, early life, is that, that when I'm with non-believers, that in the past, what I've often done is I, I change the way I talk to, to them, right? Because, uh, and so I, I stop being myself, right? So, uh, so for example, in your life, um, when you're talking to your neighbor, uh, do, do you say, like, hey, I've got hey, to go. I've got my life group tonight. Like, that's what you'd say to a, a fellow Christ follower, right? Or do you say, hey, I've got to go. We've got some people coming over tonight. Like, like what, 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 do you, what do you say? You see, often we change what we say uh, b- because we, we feel like it would be offensive or whatever. I'm telling you, most of the time it's not offensive. It's just a window into your life, and you're not trying to make a big deal about it. Uh, and, and so what, what happens is that when you just share your life with people, then what happens is it leads to normal conversation. Like I was talking with a, a, a family member this, this week who's not a believer, right? And, uh, and so I, w- I was talking with, with her about a family situation, and, and she's not a believer. She's kind of anti-believer, probably. would probably be a fair way to put it. And, and so, but in the midst of this long conversation, she said, well, what do you think we should do? And I just said, you know, uh, I don't know. Here's what I've been, I've been thinking and praying about it. And here's kind of what's come to me. Now, it was no big, I, that's just how I would talk to you, right? For me, not, for me to say, not say I've been praying about it would be false. For me, I'd be, I'd be pretending to be someone I'm not, right? If, I, if I'm going to my life group, 
it would be false to say, yeah, I'm just going, uh, I have something to do tonight, when I would normally say I'm going to my life group. And you would be amazed because people will say to you, well, wait, what's this life group? And then we don't have to say, oh, let me give you the plan of salvation. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. I bet you're lonely and miserable. You must be, you're a sinner. Um, but I'll, you know, you say, oh, you know, it's this awesome thing. I, 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 like, what would you say to a believer? You'd probably say, oh, it's this awesome thing we do at our church. We get together and, and we just, we, we talk about what we're learning at, at church. We pray for one another. We support, we serve together. It's just, it's amazing. These people become like family to me. Well, what a great thing to say. What a great thing to say to a non-believer who may have tremendous need in their life for community. They, they may, like they, they would love to have a group like that. Maybe, you know, if you're talking about uh, uh, having a conversation and you're saying like, man, we were talking about this at church last week. It was so helpful, blah, blah, blah. It was just part of a conversation. Do you realize that they may have never known one person in their life for whom church has been a positive experience? Very Very likely. They, they grown up as church, what you do, Easter and Christmas, and you go and you, you stand up, sit down, fight, 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 and you don't understand what's going on, and that's what church is. And so you're talking about church as if it really impacts your life, like you like going, uh, you look forward to it, that it's exciting. Like you, you're like, you see, just being ourselves leads to conversations. And so we don't have to try to, to, to cram Christ into everything. We just be ourselves, just relax, have conversation, and then watch where it goes. And that leads to number four. And number four, then, is to be ready for questions. Here's the thing. If you're living your life out loud, if you are pursuing Christ in your life, and you're growing as a Christ follower, and you're excited about what you're learning, how he's doing, and he's moving, that, that, and you're living your life out loud, you're not like hiding who you are, uh, if you're just being yourself, then chances are people will ask questions. They may not ask the first time they meet you, but after a while, they're going to, you know, hey, you always talk about going to church, or you talk about this life group thing, or, hey, I know you believe the Bible, what do you think about this, or why are Christians always like this, or, you know, whatever. there's going to be something that comes up. And, and so when that happens, we need to be ready for those questions, we need to be ready kind of in three areas. We'll talk about a couple of these uh, next week. Today, I just want to focus on being ready. But we need to be ready to share our story. We need to be ready to share God's story. And we need to be able to tell the answer their tough questions. Okay, that's kind of three things. Uh, and, and so uh, it's interesting because in the New Testament, there's only a couple places where the Bible talks about how to share our faith. There's only, only a couple places is when you're sharing it, here's how to do it. We just read one of them here, right? We, we just read them here. In fact, let's look at it again. 4 6. Colossians 4 6. He says, uh, Let your conversation always be full of what? Grace. Good. Uh, season with salt, so you may know how to what? Answer. Answer. So Paul's assuming that if you're living for Christ, and I don't mean being obnoxious for Christ, right? I don't mean that everything in the lunchrooms, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And seriously, oftentimes we think like, hey, that's the best way to let people know. Tell, trust me, it isn't. 
That is the best way to have people run for their life. I got the Jesus freak, right? But I'm talking, you just kind of, you're, you're living your life out loud. You're just sharing your life, whatever. Paul says, guess what? People are going to ask questions. They will. They will. And he says, and when that happens, be ready to answer. Just answer. Make sure your answer is full of grace. Make sure it's it's tasty answer. It's a compelling answer. Um, there's one other passage in the New Testament. Remember, so there's two passages that talk about this. The other one is in First Peter three. And so I put it there on your note sheet. Peter's talking about h- how to do this. And, and here's what I want you to catch. This is one of the most simplest and easiest and most profound ways of sharing Christ, because when people ask questions. It puts them in the driver's seat. When you're bringing up the topic, people tend to be defensive. When they're asking questions, they're in the driver's seat. You're just answering their questions. It's much less threatening. The the walls go down, and and you're able to have much better conversation. And so uh, Peter says, hey, when people ask questions, he says, always be prepared. Catch that. Always be prepared. So how often are we to be prepared? Always, okay? How, hey, by the way, how often are we to be full of grace? What did it say? Always, Always okay? Not, not just like some of the time. Not like, right? Not like when it's not political season. <laughs> not like after election. Oh, that week's off. You can be as mean as you want for the name of Jesus that week. Okay. Okay. Um, so here we go. So always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Catch that. Who what? Ask you. Uh, he says, hey, wait for mask. And uh, to give a reason for the hope that you have. In the New Testament, when it talks about hope, it's usually talking about the reality of the next life and, and the hope we have in Christ or what's coming in the reality of the next life. So, so when people ask you, why are you so hopeful and positive about life? He says, but do this with two things. What's he say? Gentleness and respect. What does that sound like? Sounds like full of grace, seasoned with salt. He says, don't, don't be argumentative, don't be defensive, don't be harsh, um, don't be critical, judgmental. He says, but you also need to keep a clear conscience. In other words, are you living the life you're calling others to live? Because if you're living a life of hypocrisy, anything you say is just gonna make Jesus look bad at this point. So always keep, uh, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So, so Peter says we're always to be ready to give an answer. Uh, it's interesting, the Greek word for answer there is the Greek word apologia. It's where we get our word apology from, but it's also where we get the word apologetics from. Apologetics is a defense of the faith. He says, so always be prepared to give an apologetic, a, a reason for here's what, here's what Christ has done in my life, or here's what, how he's changed me, or here's the answer to your question. Um, it's interesting, you know, here at Rocky Peak, we have these courses that we call essentials. And the reason they're called essentials is because they tackle topics we believe are absolutely essential for being a passionate Christ follower. And this last summer, we introduced our most recent essential, and it's called Reasons to Believe, Apologetics 101. 
And the reason we did this is because we believe that if we're going to share Christ effectively, there are certain questions that people are going to have predictably in our culture. Usually there's four or five of them. Uh, You know, isn't the Bible full of myths? I don't believe it's reliable. I don't believe in this whole resurrection thing. I think it's a legend the early church made up. Um, that uh, I don't think all paths lead to the same place. There's certain predictable things that come up. And so he said, you know what? If we're serious about unleashing a movement of passionate Christ followers, part of that sharing Christ, we need to equip our people to be able to answer some of the simple questions that people ask routinely, just know are going to come. Most people don't have a million questions. They just have a couple. Why is there evil in the world? If God's good, why? You know, there's certain things, right? And so, we need to be able to dialogue. And so the reason I'm bringing that up here is because this weekend we've just gone online with that new course. And so for many of you, uh, this will be your next step in your journey of sharing Christ. You say, yeah, as you start praying for your one life, as you start getting onto this, you're going to say, you know what, they're going to have questions. I need to be able to prepare for that. So you can just go online to our website, to Essentials website, and uh, uh, download the Download the things. You can watch on your, your iPad or your computer, or you can sit there and wait, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can kind of get the instruction, get the books from our bookstore. It's all free of charge. And you, know, you can watch it on the train, if you ride the train, whatever. You know, take it on your plane when you go on the plane, whatever, and, and get prepared. But, but he says you need to always be prepared to give an answer. And like I said, next week we'll talk about what does it look like to share your story, share God's story, answer questions, all right? Now, number five. We're gonna, I think we have time. Um, we threw in the slide in case we did. Uh, okay, here we go. Number five. Number five is to be winsome. Now, I've had many people tell me, Mike, you're the only person in the world who uses this word. <laughs> That's okay. I like the word. Be winsome. In other words, be a person who is attractive as you're sharing Christ. Um, it, it is the way that you're communicating the message, is it attracting people to Christ? And so, so we've seen this in, Paul said it, he said, be full of what? Grace. Grace. He said, seasoned with salt. salt. Uh, P- Peter says it, be gentle and have respectful. Okay, now, honestly, we won't have to go into a lot of this here, but I'm sure you've seen this, maybe you've done this in your own life that sometimes we get into a conversation with a non-believer and we think it's some sort of debate and that we get more concerned about being right and winning the debate than about winning the person, right? This is not like WWF or something. This is not like, hey, I slammed you. Wow, you know, that was awesome. It's like, and then you get back to your Christian friends. Well, and this is what I said. And they're like, whoa, it's just like a humiliated them. Yes, uh, right? <laughs> We are not against them, we are for them, right? It's not us against them, it's us for them. And so the point is, is we are coming along with people loving them, and we're trying to have a conversation that's attractive, that's winsome, that helps them take steps towards Christ. Now, let me talk about one way that's been particularly helpful to me, that was just totally counterintuitive for me. I read it uh, many, 10, 15 years ago. There's a great book on this in our, in our uh, bookstore called Finding Common Ground. But, but one of the ways to be winsome is to look for common ground. Uh, look for common ground. In other words, 
when you're sharing Christ with someone, what do you have in common that you can build on in your experience? For example, hey, you're an attorney, I'm an attorney, right? You, you love motorcycles, I love motorcycles. Uh, you're a father, I'm a father. You're married, I'm married. You love uh, Cooking Channel, I love Cooking Channel. I'm going off the grid now. Uh, uh, I wanted to be an attorney, so that was close. Um, uh, then I got sidetracked. Um, so what do you have in common? You, you have a two-year-old, I have a two-year-old. You're a stay-at-home mom, I'm a stay-at-home mom. You want what's best for your kids, I want. You see what I'm saying? That often in Christian circles, the model that we've been presented with is that we need to show how different we are from non-believers. And, and I get this because here's what happens. When we come to Christ, he radically changes your life, doesn't he? It's like night and day. We were once part of the kingdom of darkness. We're now part of the kingdom of light. And so we are so aware of the differences that Christ has brought that, that often we want to tell people how different we are so that they will want to come and meet Christ and be different too. And obviously there, there's a, a time and a place for us to talk about what Christ has done in our life and, and, the, and the peace or the joy or the purpose, and that's all good, obviously. But, you know, like when, when I was younger, and, and this was my, they, my, my, my mode was basically, your life is so screwed up. Look how much better my life is. Wouldn't you like to have my life and your life? Now, I wasn't as blunt as that, but it was basically, that, that was the message. You know, like, I felt like I needed to be as different as possible to show them that there was a gap between us, hopefully, so that they would want to meet Christ and transverse that, trans, you know, that the gap. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so this was an eye-opening thing for me about, about 15 years ago when I read this book. I was like, no, look for common ground. Now, guess who's the master of this? The master of this in the New Testament, someone said Jesus. He was, he was really a master of it too. But the person I'm thinking of is the Apostle Paul. Uh, because the Apostle Paul was a Jewish guy called to reach Gentile peoples. In the ancient world, if you're a Jew, you don't even have a meal with a Gentile, and yet this is what God calls him to do. And so here's what Paul says. In fact, I want you to see this. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this principle is a big part of our church here at Rocky Peak. It's a big part of our philosophy. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's talking about how he changes his tactics to reach different kinds of people when it comes to showing Christ. And basically says, hey, when I'm with Jewish people, I go conservative. Because you know, you know how Jewish people are. You think about all their, their rules and their rituals and, and all that stuff. Now, here's, now, catch this. Paul will never compromise the core message of the gospel. And he'll never compromise his core moral code as a Christ follower. He'll never, but he will compromise anything else to help people come to Christ. Because Paul understands this principle. If you and I can relate, if you can relate to me, then there's much better chance you'll be open to the message that I bring. He understands this principle. And so, uh, and, and so what he says is, hey, when I'm with my Jewish people, he said they're very conservative. There's certain things they won't eat. There's certain rituals they do. There's certain traditions they have. He said, I, I just go along with those. When I'm out to dinner with them, I don't order a BLT. 
You know, it's like I am, I am very, I, I kind of go their way. It's just when I'm with my Gentile people that are, are much more liberal, they don't have all these rules and rituals, he said, then, then, then I go that way. It was interesting. I was talking with a, a person recently. He was talking with a, a pastor in, in uh, uh, Simi Valley. And this pastor, uh, it ha- has a, in his block, there was a bunch of guys who always got together after work. They're always sitting around having a, 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 some beers. And so he, you know, he always, he wanted to get in that circle. He wanted to be part of that conversation. He wanted to go where Jesus would go, right? So, but he, he felt like when he was there, there was never a sense of openness to him. He always felt like an outsider until the day they offered him a beer and he took it. And from that day on, he became part of the circle, you see? Now, let me be clear here. So I was like, thank you. Yeah. If you're an alcoholic, bad move, right? And I'm not saying, hey, they're going to Las Vegas and getting plastered all weekend. Let's go for Jesus' sake. I'm not saying for that. But what Paul would say is, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine at flexing with anything that's not a core moral issue. It's not a core uh, a gospel issue. I'm fine flexing either way to reach people for Christ. And look how he puts it. He says in, uh, in verse 19, 919, he says, uh, though I'm free and I belong to no man. In other words, uh, you know, no one can really tell me what to do. I'm a, a Christ follower. I'm free. I make myself a slave to everyone. In other words, I, I'm willing to give up my rights to catch this, to win as many as possible. So to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, this would be like Gentiles, I become like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, I'm under Christ's law, in other words, these core, you know, uh, love God, love people things, I don't change that. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, catch this, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. See what he's saying? Paul understands this principle. The more that you can relate to me, the more open you will be to the message I bring. Uh, this is a powerful uh, thing. So, so when you're with non-believers, the message should be more that, hey, we're not that different. Like, you, you have this, I've got this. You're this, you, you have a job, you got a crazy boss, I got a crazy boss. We, we have a lot in common. Right? And the more that they sense you're like me, the more defenses go down and they're willing to listen to ways they're not like you. You know, for us here at Rocky Peak, this is a driving, driving passage for us in terms of our third core value of relevance reaching the culture. We believe the message of Jesus is the most important message in all creation. But in every generation, it needs to be translated and communicated in ways that are fresh and compelling. There's a reason that I dress like I do on stage. I I know that there's some people here who think it's just because I have bad taste. But (laughs) there is a reason that I normally wear flip-flops on stage. I'd say it was too cold. I have shoes on. But uh, there's a normally, there's a reason that I wear jeans, right? Like if I was in a different culture at a different time in a different place, I would wear a suit and tie, right? And I've done that before, right? I've done it before. There's a reason because in our culture, Southern California, 
very relaxed, very unchurched, I want to be able to invite, or I want you to be able to invite a person who's never come to church before and has huge fears. And when they walk through, it is totally not what they expect. And they say, that guy on the stage, he talks kind of like I do. I, I can understand him. He even looks like I do. Look, I can't believe what he's wearing, right? <laughs> right? This is a strategic move. And let me tell you something. If 10 years from now, we go through a, a new move in our culture where everyone's dressing up and it's the, the greatest thing everyone's you know, dressing up, guess what? I'll be, look different up here. I'll look different because the whole point is when your neighbor, when your one life comes who's afraid to come to church, I want him to feel like that guy is kind of like me. Like I, I don't want him to feel like that guy, there's a reason I don't introduce myself as Dr. Michael David Yearly. I, I don't want distance. I, I don't want distance. I, 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 there's a reason that I don't use words like eschatology and soteriology, <laughs> right? And, and the reason's not that I don't know what they mean. You know, like, like I never went to school. This church is designed to reach people who are, don't know Christ. It's what it's designed for. And so in everything we do, we, we want to reach out in Christ's name and say, you know what, you and I are not that different. But the only difference is I've found a person who's transformed my life. And guess what? Because we're not that different, he could do the same for you. You, you don't have to look different. You have to change how you talk. You have to go to school for 18 years. Like you don't have, no, just, just come and be with us. Because we're not that different. And, and men and women, that's what he's calling you to do too. As you're out there in the workplace and so on, you're looking for things. We're not that different. Be winsome. Make connections. And when the time comes, share your story. Share God's story. We'll talk about that next week and see what God does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And God, we... Uh, we just so much want to be used to win as many as possible. God, we're, we just pray you'd teach us how to do that. And we pray that you would help us join you in your mission to seek and save the lost. We, we pray, God, as we come now, we sing hope's anthem. We pray that we would be a place of hope. And we pray that even as we bring our offerings now, that you would use them to create and unleash a movement of truly Christ followers, passionate Christ followers who are drawing others to the name of the true king. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we worship? Lord, we long for more. And that's the prayer of our hearts as a church that we long for more. We want to see salvation flow, amen? Uh, we we want to see people who are far from Christ come to experience his life-changing power to be born again, a whole new direction, a new future, not just for now, but for eternity, for generations changed because they've come to Christ. Like in your life, so many of your whole family trajectories have changed because you, you've come to Christ and 
And now your kids have come to Christ and generations are being changed. And, and that's what we want. We long for more. Amen? Amen. And so in this series, we're talking about that, about just watching for opportunities, um, being ourselves, being winsome people, full of grace, gentleness, respect, uh, sharing our lives, living our lives out loud. When people ask questions, we'd be ready to answer them with good answers. Next week, we'll talk more about that, about sharing our story, sharing God's story. When those opportunities come up, what, what's a way to, to really have in a very natural, appropriate way, a conversation about spiritual things, about Jesus and who he is. I'm looking forward to that. And so next week, we'll wrap up this series together. I hope that you can be here. If you're not here uh, for whatever reason, uh, like you're living in sin or something like that, uh, <laughs> that, be sure to repent and then podcast it because uh, in many ways, we'll be landing the plane next week and you don't want to miss uh, just uh, some new paradigms of, of how to share Christ in ways that are truly effective, that generate significant conversation, that help people come to Christ. And so until then, uh, may the king of the universe be your king. Uh, may his kingdom come in your life. May you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, may you love others well. May you pursue Christ passionately. May you spend time alone with Jesus this week because it's impossible to follow him well without times alone with him. And, and in those times, may you have some honest conversation about your life, your friends, your one lives, your witness for him. You would ask him to help you grow in this in ways that are truly compelling. And we'll return next week to take the next step in this journey that we call the assignment. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. See you there. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.